Hi, and welcome to Messy in the Middle. I'm your host, Jessica Lee. This is a podcast featuring real women's stories about their journey, the messy part, the trials and tribulations to get from recurrent miscarriage and infertility to baby. Join us as we talk, cry, laugh, and get unbelievably vulnerable to feel less alone in the gang that no one wants to be a part of. Hey, welcome back to Messy in the Middle. I'm your host, Jessica Lee. Uh, today's episode, we have Letitia. Now, this is another one of the episodes that um, was recorded back in February, and there will be an update at the end of this episode as to where Letitia is at now. But yeah, so far out today has been a day, even struggling to kind of get this finished and out for tomorrow, but I didn't want to let you guys down. Uh, we had to go to a funeral today. Um, one of our friends it's actually a um a school friend of Drew's who I've become close with and him and his wife and his brother was was killed uh at Tambourine Mountain some of you may have heard about that on the news um so we attended his funeral in support of of his brother and um sister-in-law and then I've also got a three-year-old who is absolutely kicking my ass at the moment. And I just wanted to kind of bring up the fact that if you do have kids and you've struggled to conceive, and that's generally why you guys are here listening to this, um, or if you haven't had a baby yet and um, like you go into pregnancy, I just want to reiterate that it's completely okay to not love every minute of it and for things to be challenging. There have been some mum, well, mums-to-be in my November babies group on Facebook who have have struggled to conceive and had to use IVF and, you know, they're posting anonymously saying that they hate pregnancy. And you know what? If you hate pregnancy, that is completely okay. It's okay to have wanted something so much and then you get it and then you find it really, really hard. Uh, because sometimes pregnancy is really, really hard. Parenting can be really, really hard. And I know that we've all been through this really tough thing and we've fought so hard to get here and we think that we have to feel grateful for it every moment of the day, but you don't. I, I need you guys to let yourselves off the hook for that. It's okay to to cry and crumble and... Um, just feel like everything is too much and yeah and that it's completely okay give yourself permission to cry when you need to to express when you feel things are difficult reach out to people reach out to friends reach out to professionals I am certainly going to be reaching out to a professional Um, I have heard that having a three-year-old is like the most challenging age and yeah the way his behavior has changed at the moment it, it's yeah it's really it's really affecting both me and and Drew so um yeah time to nip it in the bud and see what we can do better uh and how we can best support him because you know he he's obviously quite good at communicating now but still still doesn't fully know how to like process his emotions and and anything like that so we need to make sure that we're well equipped as parents to to show up as best for him as we can and not just get frustrated and yell and react to his heightened emotions um yeah so anyway um i did also want to bring up that letitia has bought out this amazing workbook it's called tired of trying to conceive it's an interactive workbook with writing, drawing, and coloring exercises. And we will be doing a giveaway. So make sure you um you keep an eye on the Instagram page. I will put the links of her Instagram page and the Amazon link to, to buy it, or if you just want to check it out, keep your eye out for that. But let's get into the episode. Talk to you guys soon. So hi Letitia, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to meet you and to be here. Can you start by telling me your age, where you're from and who's in your family? Yeah, so I'm 31 years young and I'm choosing to say young because I'm like, no, we're still 
young, still spring chickens. Yeah. And I have four people in my family that I live with. So my mum, who is 71, almost 72, my dad, who's 80, and my husband, James, who's also 31, and our little IVF miracle, Kira, who's nearly two. So oh, wow. those are all the people in my family. And we live just um, just down the range in Lockyer Valley. Okay, beautiful. And how did your trying to conceive journey start? It started um, in February 2016, and it happened because we just had um, James's sister had our third niece the year before, and we kind of got really clucky after she was born. I remember being in the hospital holding her, and I just thought, oh, I'm very curious about this. Like, I'd always known I wanted to have kids, and so did James. But um, just after Lily was born, we were just like, oh, yes, ah, we'd like to be here next. Yeah. So. We waited and got our ducks in a line. We really wanted to have a house. So we bought a house and then um, started trying in February 2016. And I was really excited about it. Super, super, super excited to get off the pill. And I went to my GP and I did a preconception blood test and nothing bad came back. And I remember him saying to me, you are going to fall pregnant, like, just like that, like instantly. So I was like, cool, like, let's this is going to happen really quickly. We'll probably have a December baby 2016. It's going to be great. And um, yeah, it did not go like that. It, um, mm. yeah, I remember that first, first 12 months of trying. Um, and it was just, I felt like in my heart, I knew something wasn't working, but um, everyone's like, no, relax. Like for some people it takes, you know, a few cycles and for other people it takes, you know, six months or 12 months or so it's okay. And, but I just, yeah, I knew that. I feel like looking back, I should have trusted my instincts a bit more and I knew that something was wrong. So how yeah, long we, were you on the pill for? Um, I was only on the pill for um about three years. Okay. So we got married. We were babies. We got married yeah. when we were 21. So oh, wow. I was on the pill for very long. Yeah. And um yeah, I didn't like the pill though. I had an awful time on it. Um and I did do a laparoscopy surgery um, in 2014 because I had really heavy, painful periods. Yeah. And the only thing that they could see when I was having that surgery was that I had microscopic adenomyosis. And they were like, the only cure for that is a hysterectomy. And I was oh, just wow. like, oh, okay, well, yep, I'd really like to have kids. So <laughs> is that going to like affect those chances? And they were like, they assured me that it wouldn't because it was just microscopic. Like it right. could only be seen under a microscope when they were doing like the keyhole surgery. So I was like, do you know what that is exactly? Like, could you explain it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's um similar to endometriosis, except for it doesn't grow outside of the uterus. It grows mm. into like the uterus, into the uterine muscle. Yeah. And um, it's, they don't know why people why women get it before they've had kids because it's most common in women after like their uterus has expanded and they've had their children. Right. So okay. There's no explanation as to why that's happened. And it's kind of just like you go on the pill and you don't, you take, you don't take, you take the tablets so you don't bleed. And that's basically your only solution if you want to have kids or if you don't want to have kids get a hysterectomy. <laughs> so that was a bit of mm. a bit of a pill to swallow, but yeah. I was still assured, yeah, no, that there would be no issues. And so we tried. And during that first year of trying, I swear, like every family member accidentally fell pregnant, like, mm. and friends like fell pregnant on their first cycle. So that was a very difficult, like, roller coaster of emotions that first year. So, so you're getting no positive tests at all? No, nothing. So mm. we, we did the 12 months. And then we went back to our GPs because, you know, after the 12 months, you're declared infertile. Yay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a label to have. <laughs> what a great, great thing to be. But um, we went back to the GPs and that's when um, we got our referrals to go and see a fertility specialist in Toowoomba. Yeah. And he was like, he, so my husband had to do like a sperm analysis at that time and the results came back and everything looked fine. And then they did all the tests on my end, like all the blood work and all the blood work on James's end. And it all was looking fine. So they tried us on the letrozole tablets, mm -hmm. and which is just like you time like your intercourse during the month and you make sure you're taking the tablets and then you do the pregnancy test at the end. And after the first month, nothing happened. And then the second month, we actually fell pregnant. And I was just that was 
I think we'd be trying, that was September 2017, so we'd been trying since February 2016. So to tell you I was excited was just like the understatement of the century. Yeah. I was just over the moon, so happy. Um, even the lady, though, she said, oh, your your blood retests, um, your numbers are quite low, so we'll have to get you in again. I was like, don't care about numbers, lady. Like, Pete on the stick, the stick said yes, the blood said yes. Like, this yeah. is the thing. I've waited such a long time. Like, and then, yeah, unfortunately, that ended in, like, an early miscarriage for that pregnancy. So I only knew I was pregnant for five days, um. and that was my first experience being pregnant. So it was very exciting. James took such great care of me during those five days. It was really lovely. And then, yeah, just unfortunately. So you just started bleeding and just started bleeding and cramping and went to the hospital. And yeah, my HCG levels were like down to one and um, Mm -hmm. learned that I have a negative blood type. So I had to have like the injection afterwards. So I was like, (laughs) the things you don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was not a great first experience of being pregnant. And then mm. obviously took ourselves back to the fertility specialist after that. And he's like, well, you want to get pregnant, don't you? And I was like, yes, that's why we're here. So he's like, you're most fertile after you've had a miscarriage. So, you know, get back on that pony and like keep taking the letrozole tablets and keep trying. And um, I wish we hadn't because it was just such a distressing time to be Yeah wanting something so badly still but then really afraid like oh what if that happened to me again and um yeah so we did keep trying but really I don't know I was just it was just such a an, a, an emotionally awful time because you're still so upset that you lost this yeah. pregnancy and yeah, I remember still taking, grieving and yeah I remember taking my to, just... to this like this fertility specialist and I was like I took Sudafed because I had like a cold was it the Sudafed um I didn't I'd like I think I had like a, a a pear cider or something I was like oh it was the drink wasn't it like and he's like no it was it was none of those things like we, mm. we will we'll probably never know and like for me in my brain, like that's not a good answer. I, I was I wanted someone to blame and it was, you know, I wanted to know what I'd done so I couldn't do it again. Like I didn't make the same mistake. So Yeah. How sad is it that we just instantly put that blame on ourselves? Yeah, it's really awful. It's not a good yeah. feeling. And yeah, that was September 2017. And I just it's like carnival time in Toowoomba and it was like a big deal, like in my in my job at the time, like that. And it was just I remember I took one day off work and to just like be sad about it and then went back Mm. to work and yeah, yeah, carried on kind of thing. And that was really hard because I'm a really sensitive person and I guess, yeah, everyone deals with things differently, but it was a really difficult time for me and for James. Like he, he dealt with it a bit differently. He went a bit quiet and a bit more inside him and I was a bit more. Yeah. You were the one expressing it all and he was, yeah. 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 yeah and then um we kept doing the letrozole tablets I think through until March or April the next year in 2018 but That's the still fertility a long time of trying yeah but the fertility specialist said like if if it hasn't worked in that time then like we're not onto the like scrap the tablets and we did some more tests which were more expensive at that time we did like a more in-depth semen analysis and I can't remember if I did anything else at that time, but um, basically like from those tests results back, um, it showed like the morphology and the motility of the sperm weren't like as good as they should be. So like the yeah. shape of them and the way they swim. Yeah. So that's probably why we weren't feeling pregnant again using the tablet. So we were like, let's do IVF. Like, okay. oh, that's what, that's what was given to us. I right. do remember asking about like the interuterine insemination. They were like, it's not going to work for you. So we were told yeah IVF was our best go and that really hurt me I'm an IVF baby myself my mom and dad IVF yeah and like I listened to them I listened to their story like they were older in life when they started trying to have kids James and I were 24 when we started in 2016 so I was like not making those same mistakes like Mm. (laughs) trying earlier yeah I did like thought everything was like all lined up um but yeah, so I was not keen to do IVF because I like um, just remember mum telling me about it being really open. It did not sound like a joyous journey. So that's so amazing, though, that your mum like she did get to experience that and she can pass some of that information on to you. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was like back Yeah, then. I was going to say it must have been so different back then. Yeah, it was very different and I'm very glad to have done it like in this day and age. I tell yeah. you. I wouldn't have coached when she went through it. <laughs> so thanks, Ma. <laughs> to be here. Um, but yeah, I remember after we got the, we had the meeting, like we had to pay to have our nurses meeting at this mm. fertility clinic. Um, and I remember James and I drove to Bundberg to visit family after that. And we were just talking about all the things from the meeting and we were just like, we really want to be parents. So we're, we're going to have to, you know, look to afford this. Um, cause they gave us all like the estimation of fees and everything in our little, jaws like almost fell to the ground when they were like it's going to be like ten thousand dollars and we were like what yeah. <laughs> a lot of money yeah. um but yeah we definitely buy that. that was a really good car trip i look back on that fondly because by the end we kind of had the answers and it felt like even though we were unsure about this new journey and like obviously scared we were like yep we're gonna do it like we've got our answer so that was a good day in the end <laughs> But yeah, we didn't actually, we, um, so from there, we didn't actually end up going with that fertility clinic just because, um, it was going to be a lot of money up front and we just couldn't afford it, like with our wages and now mortgage repayments and everything. So I'm so lucky that my amazing friend, um, Louise told us, look elsewhere, you know, you, you don't have to go to that one place. Like, so she really encouraged us to go and look. Um, and recommended her clinic in Brisbane, which is the one that we ended up going with. And they had like a bulk bill side, which is cheaper and a private side. So um, I can't remember exactly when we started there. I think it was later in, in 2018. And we started on the bulk bill side. Yeah. Yeah. Started our process and our journey there. So what was that like? Um, it was very overwhelming because just like just like anywhere there's nice um medical professionals and then other times there's ones that are a bit I don't know desensitized I guess might be a good word but uh, we had mm. a really lovely initial meeting um with a doctor there who was just amazing and so we booked in to go for it and everything but then some of the nurses that we had to deal with on the bulk bill side of our clinic just whispering in front of you like I remember like I was doing my first ever egg collection and I'm so I'm doing the needles every day and I've gone down for my follicle scan and um I've only got six follicles which for someone my age um with no apparent like issues um they were like whispering in front of me I thought she would have responded better and like yeah. right here guys like I can hear you I can count like I see there's only six on the screen so I was really disappointed because um yeah you just I don't know if anybody else is like this when they do IVF but they you just talk numbers sometimes and I was just expecting I was going to have like I don't know I think I was expecting like 15 follicles or like something more like that and yeah to know I only made six was just really disappointing. Yeah. Have they the tested your AMH as well? Yeah, they had and it came back like in the normal parameters. So yeah. there was really no reason why I should have had such a poor response. So mm. I quite don't know why that happened. But um, we did do, so from that first round, we did end up with, um, I think it was three embryos. No, I think we ended up with two embryos. Um, from that um, and we had to use um, ICSI which is where they take the sperm and they actually inject it into the egg they don't let it swim in because they take they pick the best one and they put yeah. it in there yeah so yeah. that helps us overcome like the morphology and the motility issues yeah so we had two embryos and I thought great I only want to have two kids that'll be perfect and yeah. by that yeah we we transferred one in 2018 and then one in 2019 but they were both um big fat natives or BFNs so uh, that was really disappointing and um had a really stressful year at work in 2019 I got shingles on my face oh my goodness I was so stressed out I loved my job but um yeah I was I, I and it was maybe someone else doing the job wouldn't have got so stressed but I just try and put like I was trying to put 100% into my job and then 100% into like IVF and mm. being a daughter and a wife and a friend and just yeah yeah stretch then not succeeding at mm. um, IVF so 
I remember after that failed transfer, I think it was like, um, by memory, I think it was like um, June or July 2019 that the second embryo failed. I just thought uh, I'd want to try and give myself like a time frame where I can be less stressed about this. Um, and so that's when I got the idea. I had a chat with another colleague and they were like, oh, I did a career break like once. And it's like they save your job for you and you just take a period of time as like unpaid, but, they, but then you can come back after that time and resume your job. And I thought, oh, wow, that's perfect. And that's what I wanted to do. So that, that all got approved. And it was very scary because my husband and I are not rich and we had our like all our bills and our mortgage to pay. But I just thought... Um, like when I look back on my life one day, hopefully when I'm like 90 years old and I'm in the nursing home, I really want to say I gave myself that time mm. to try everything. And I really felt like I wanted to try without, yeah, the stresses of my job. And mm. um, cause we were very open too. So everyone at work knew we were doing IVF and all of our family and friends knew we were doing IVF, which was really good. Like no one was going to ask you, when are you having kids? <laughs> yeah that great question the dreaded question yeah. yeah um but also it was kind of like then you were kind of a bit more open to like um not some some just like ignorant comments and things about you know have you thought of adoption and like just you know having to say well we're only what were we at the time like 26 or 27 so no we're not quite ready to give up like that dream but it just mm. like from people that aren't an adopted child and don't have any adopted children so you just like would you have given up so soon or yeah, yeah a lot of things were happening so yeah didn't know COVID was going to happen in 2020 <laughs> so I did end up losing my job um because of COVID but um uh, after I got made redundant in 2020 which was like midway through the year um we decided to go to the private side of the clinic and so that meant a more tailored approach for me I got increased medication and um, my body responded really well to that and we got nine embryos from that round oh, and then great. the first one that we transferred was um, became our beautiful baby girl that's almost two so that I just yeah it could have gone either way like I remember my one of my bosses asking me when they had to like approve my career break they were like so what happens if you take this year off like you don't make any money this year and like you don't fall pregnant and I'll be like well it'll sort of be like every other year like I just need to know like I need to do this so mm. I'm really lucky that my husband supported me and um I had friends that I was telling like about the idea of the career break and they're like that's a great idea like give yourself like all of the time and it was kind of annoying because you know I'm so glad like women can do it all and we can work and we can do all these things but I just I kind of feel like a bit of a wuss sometimes I beat myself up a bit because I'm like I wish I could have been that strong person that worked and did IVF and it all worked out but it it just I was getting shingles like on my face like that's a, something yeah get. <laughs> I really think yeah don't put that pressure on yourself I, I think that's part of the Part of the struggle just like with fertility and with life like we do like society has an expectation for women to be able to do it all yeah I myself have a lot on my plate this year I was um due to start I'm doing I work four days a week I've got my son um I'm obviously doing the podcast and I was due to start uni as well this oh my month gosh. at the end of this month yeah well the shingles come out <laughs> Oh my goodness. And I just, I had to make a call. I, I can't do it all. I had to admit defeat essentially and be like, no, this is already getting too much. I'm already feeling too stressed and overwhelmed and uni hasn't even started yet. As much as I was so excited to get going on it because it's going to lead me to my dream career. Yeah. It's like, I need to put the brakes on. It's more important right now to focus on like work is like just something that I have to do. I don't have the option to to give it up. Same with my son. Can't give him up. <laughs> Not that I'd want to. No. Um, but, you know, young kids do take a big chunk of your time. Yeah, definitely. And I've made a commitment to finish my TAFE course, which will be finished at the end of the year anyway. So sometimes, like, 
I could have gone down the path of beating myself up that, oh, you know, I thought I could do it, but it was about managing my expectations versus my reality. And yeah. the reality of it is I've only got a short window of time where I've got to do things. So it's about flipping your mindset, I guess, to take away the guilt and the shame and society's expectations of women have to do it all because we don't. Yeah, I, I think that's something that yeah really has to change and it's about time women gave themselves the grace and the permission to slow down. I think it's amazing that you you went ahead and did that because that's really scary moving to one income when you've got a mortgage, you've got commitments, you're doing IVF which is bloody expensive. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Moving to the private side was definitely, yeah, more expensive as well. And I will tell everyone, like, we did have to sell our house. <laughs> and um, just before we were due to have our daughter, actually, because we couldn't afford to keep paying our mortgage anymore. And then we made a little bit of a profit um, selling it. So then we used that to rent it back for 10 months. Yeah. And so the first 10 months of her life, we stayed in our house, but we were renters. And then um, my parents, we moved in with them. So we do, yeah, live all in the one household, which is mostly amazing and sometimes yeah, challenging. Yeah. challenging. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it came with sacrifices, but I, yeah, definitely am proud of the decision because I knew I needed it no matter what mm. the outcome was, whether it was, you know, having Kira here or whether it was another year that nothing happened for us. So... I'm very glad of that. And I must also add in there that I, my friend, I had a really good friend that kept telling me about, she was going to this amazing acupuncturist. Mm. And she thought that I should go. And I was like, honey, I, I put needles in my body already and I don't really enjoy it. I do that for IVF because I must, I don't want to do that for relaxation purposes. Yeah. <laughs> she kept telling me and she kept telling me about this like amazing person to go and see and so I finally I think she had to tell me like three or four times and I finally took her advice and I went and yeah I realized there um through conversation actually with um Lisa is her name that I didn't actually believe IVF was going to work I had believed that you know James and I were going to be the people like that it kept not working out for like our embryo transfers weren't going to work and it was really hard actually admitting to myself that that's what I believe because I was really positive about it outwardly and then like realizing that I was being quite negative about myself and to myself inwardly that was really hard to um and it kind of took someone listening to me intently to mm. like point out I notice you're saying this so you're not really thinking it's going to work out for you so then if you're thinking that then like it's not going to kind of thing so we started working, I started working with Lisa before, I must have been after the egg collection in 2020 and before I did the transfer um, here in at the beginning of August. And yeah, I really believe like if I hadn't have gone to see her and started thinking a bit differently, like you were saying before, like changing your mindset, mm -hmm. I don't think it would have worked out for us. So I'm really glad, really glad my friend kept telling me. <laughs> Yeah, and it's amazing how powerful your mindset is. Now, I, I'm not a believer that your negative thoughts... That I my think, negative thoughts could, like, affect the outcome. Yes, yeah. 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 I think you do have to have a certain amount of self-belief. I think just for your own mental health, yeah. I think, you know, the whole positivity and manifestation to a certain extent can have a really toxic side to it as well. Yes, So definitely. I think it's, yeah, I think it's great that you had someone as part of your like fertility team who's nurturing and not so clinical mm. to be able to help guide you yeah I still go and see her I just yeah. find I go like once every four or five weeks um I total out to Pittsworth and I just find her so beneficial and I think some of my friends think I'm absolutely nuts but I'm just like if you've got a sore back or a sore shoulder you can go and see her if you just want to take care of yourself mentally yeah I'll give out her number <laughs> happy to share yeah, I couldn't live without my acupuncturist. She's been, she doubles as my therapist. Yeah, I, I agree. Same, same for Lisa. Mm. So it was your third transfer that you fell pregnant with your daughter? Yes, yeah. I feel really lucky because I know there are um, many people out there that do 12 transfers or do more. So 
Um, yeah, she was only our third ever embryo transfer. Um, so I do feel really, really grateful that that, that that worked. Everything seemed to line up that year and it worked out with her. How are you feeling through the pregnancy? Were you anxious? And... Oh, yes. I was very yeah. anxious. I checked every piece of toilet paper from like when I knew I was four weeks, four days pregnant to 39 weeks. I was, you know, looking for like any kind of red color, like, and just, uh, just didn't believe in myself, I guess. Um, you know, I'd failed us, like in my brain, I'd failed us so many times before, like with our first pregnancy in 2017 and then the other embryos didn't take and I just yeah you feel really bad about yourself and you beat yourself up so um mm -hmm. I was very anxious throughout the pregnancy and actually after I we had Kira I was diagnosed with postnatal anxiety and I did also score like on the the DAS um for depression as well but I really the anxiety took me down into a deep dark hole so um everything was like I was so afraid like if my mum was holding her she was going to drop her and not just drop her and hurt her like drop her and she will die like yeah. not just she's not just gonna like roll off and like roll off if I don't watch her every second on like the change table she'll roll off and fall and die like every that was my brain yeah. with everything and it kind of all started when I couldn't breastfeed her like for the mm -hmm. first few weeks I was just like deliriously happy out of my mind that I'd achieved like my greatest goal to bring a happy, healthy baby into the world. And then, and then, yeah, we went for our GP appointment and she hadn't regained her birth weight after two weeks. And um, I feel like I knew it too. And I didn't trust my instincts at the start. Like I knew it looked like she wasn't putting on weight. It looked like she was losing weight. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that set me off. But then I kind of realized I did get help. I went to my GP and I did a mental health care plan. I got to speak to a, a wonderful psychologist who really helped me but then I think I've realized that I've had anxiety like throughout for a long time probably mm. throughout and I've just been really good at masking it but then IVF the journey like the infertility journey kind of like chipped that away a bit and the masking got a bit harder and then the yeah. pregnancy got even harder with all, your, with all your hormones hey and then like when, when she was finally here it was just like this yeah like the dams broke mm. and um so even though that was a tough time, I'm kind of glad to have like a better understanding of myself now. Um, that's the only kind of, and to also realize that, yeah, there's a, a lot of women um, that have it way worse than I had it uh, much more seriously. And um, I'm just very lucky to have so much support around me. Like, and when I say something's wrong with myself, people aren't like, yeah, don't worry about that. They're like, let's go to the doctor then and we'll come with you. And yeah. Mm -hmm very lucky yeah that's no, beautiful and you need that support network I really do I just I don't know how I would have done it like without my husband being so supportive and my mum as well and even friends you know talking about their journeys you know both to like pregnancy like struggling to conceive or even if they had an easy conception like they might have had a difficult pregnancy and then also had like um postnatal depression or anxiety so so much it's very nice when like some amazing people like you set up podcasts and we can all talk about you know the things that happened to us because I remember after we had our first miscarriage in 2017 it was really sad because we didn't get to announce that we were pregnant because mm. it was very like gone very soon and then I just wanted to tell everyone like we'd finally done it after a year and a half like it didn't end well but um didn't end the way we wanted it to but yeah I did end up sharing a post on Facebook and I kind of think maybe some people took it the wrong way like I was just looking for sympathy or for attention but I just really wanted to share and that's and sharing led me to like some of the amazing friendships that I have now because they were like oh me too yes it happened you know yeah to a lot of people so I didn't feel so alone then in being so so you know miserable and down on myself and and yeah. I'm sure the people that made you feel like you were looking for sympathy probably haven't gone through that heartache of losing your baby and it's yeah after a year and a half of trying and you finally get it and then it's taken away from you so quickly like that's absolutely devastating yeah it wasn't a nice time no yeah. But I'm glad you found some support in that too. I found the same when I announced my first miscarriage and I don't even know why I 
decided to do a post on it. I think like I've always been a very open person. I'm an oversharer at oh, the best of times. Um, and I didn't, too. yeah, I didn't know anyone at the time either who had gone through pregnancy loss and it had taken me by surprise. I never thought that would be part of my story. And yeah, the amount of people coming forward and saying, I've been through that too. And it's great to start these conversations and feel connected. Yeah, it is nice to know, even though something really awful happened that didn't just happen to you. And yeah, there's common ground to be found and not just common ground like love and support and yeah, being able to yeah overshare with people or yeah. share just the right amount when, when you find the right tribe. So that's really good. That's right. And how was your relationship through, through the trying to conceive and the IVF? Um, it was for the most part, I think really good. Like it really strengthened our relationship. You know, James and I have kind of a similar sense of humor. So we diffused a lot of awful situations with um, jokes, um, which is probably really inappropriate, but, um, at our IVF clinic in Brisbane, like when you go and get like all your internal scans done for like your lining checks and your follicles and they've got like a little Clark and it says um it's like this little stick lady and it says she's got like the little speech bubble and it says stop stop looking at my genitals and we just thought that was hilarious <laughs> other people were probably like that's a bit vulgar but just yeah it, so we did find some common ground but um in the early stage especially like that first year James was like to me oh you just need to like calm down like just relax and I could have just probably murdered him because I was like <laughs> I can't relax like it's literally happening like all to everybody around us but us and we're trying so hard I don't understand like I just want to fix it like what's wrong is there something wrong why mm. do we have to wait 12 months to find out like it just felt like a very did you feel time. like that was obviously something that you had to accept and that you couldn't go looking elsewhere for answers um I think I think so during that first year like we just had to wait it out and we we're obviously really hopeful every month that it was there was going to be you know a pregnancy um so I don't think then we went looking for different answers maybe we definitely tried a naturopath afterwards where we both tried to eat organic fruits and vegetables and um by that stage we'd had the other semen analysis done and so we knew about the like the sperm motility morphology issues so the naturopath was like to James oh you need to cut out like carbs which is really sad because he just loves potatoes yeah. and um you need to lose a bit of weight so he did that um but then it, yeah just nothing helped us and that's kind of where it comes back to maybe if you really in your mind was just like that was going to help you out like eating organically and losing weight then it might like you might have been more positive about doing it and then maybe it would have helped a bit more but I was like well my friend over there she eats McDonald's like five times a week and she's just falling pregnant with her second baby no troubles yeah. so yeah I think just you could go down like a lot of rabbit holes searching for the answer and at the end of it and you feel very powerless because you're kind of just looking for like oh what can I do what can I try like what's going to work for me and then it, at the end you just have to say well what do I think like we took a lot of our power away to everybody yeah. um so I feel like yeah we just have to be like well what do I want to try like do I want to you know my friend keeps saying about acupuncture do I actually want to give that a go or do I is that just not something I would ever try or do I want to go to the naturopath or yeah just a lot of different things I guess but um going back to there was a bit of resentment I think after from like from my end after we kind of found out that like it was the sperm issues oh okay that's interesting yeah so it was just like because James had been kind of like so like calm down like you just need to calm down if you calm down it's all going to work out and then I was like it's you <laughs> I remember we were in um the fertility specialist and the one of the nurses said like 70 percent or something of like um cases were like male factor infertility and yeah. just, did she just say 70 and I was like yes 70 but anyways it's not everybody's journey but yeah I would be lying if I didn't say that from me and that's a really ugly feeling I remember we got into like an argument once and I was just like oh just just go and find me another person better sperm 
and that'll be that and I'll have a baby and then I saw like how um, I had just wounded like the person that I love most in the world and that's what I wanted to do because I was angry at the time yeah. but um, yeah no that I think maybe it kind of cleared the air for us to get like because I'd obviously been harboring that resentment inside of me mm-hmm. so I was like well that's not a good way to feel and if it was you know the tables were turned James would never do that to me because he's a lovely human um, so yeah there was that feeling which was really ugly and that did happen just that one time when it like bubbled out into an argument well like when we were having an argument so I wanted to hurt him and I said that yeah um, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that because I think yeah I doesn't I don't feel like a good person sharing it and I remember the day very clearly and it was just one of those awful days where you see like you've hurt the person that you love so much just with words yeah you're like oh I wish I could take that back and I can't but um yeah, that was honestly my honestly truthful feeling. Yeah, and I mean, it's completely understandable. So we could move past it, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, like, since having Kira, or even before, like, when I, when I was still on, when I was still pregnant with her, people were like, are you going to have a second baby? Like, people who knew that we'd struggled for five years just to have, you know, be pregnant here now, and I was so anxious during my pregnancy, so I was like, I just want to get, you know, to the end safely, I want her to be born alive and healthy and safely, so mm. don't ask me those questions kind of thing, yeah. but um, we have done, we have been back and we did an embryo transfer at the end of last year, which didn't work, um, oh, I can't remember why I brought that up now, there was a reason, <laughs> oh, yes, that's right, um, so, before we did the embryo transfer my periods came back and they came back every two weeks and I was like what is going on that's that's not normal for me like so I went and got it investigated with our fertility specialist in Brisbane and he showed me on the scan and everything and um he's like oh your ovaries they look textbook polycystic so I was like good oh good we'll just (laughs) I was like that's new like that wasn't like that wasn't established beforehand like I only ever had on my end like the microscopic adenomyosis kind of thing which I was worried after having Kira and like my uterus had expanded like had it gotten worse like kind of thing because uh, the periods were coming yeah like I said every two weeks and they were so painful and I was passing huge clots and to get to see our fertility specialist I had to you know have a scan done through the GP and then she gave me the results of that and she was like oh yes you we can see the adenomyosis now and you also had like a tethered left ovary which looks like maybe you've got endometriosis now so like all these things are coming up which was just wild at the end of last year and then going to see our doctor and he was like oh well I don't see the tethered ovary so it doesn't look like you have endometriosis and he's like you're we won't know if you have adenomyosis unless we do like another surgery and do a biopsy and everything but he's like your uterus does look a bit larger than normal but that could just be because you had a baby not too long ago and then he said that thing about like your ovaries look textbook polycystic and like James would never be like oh like I was so just terrible of me but um sorry it was a very long sometimes you can't like emotional outbursts sometimes just cannot be controlled and by the sounds of it it sounds like it was something that had to come out anyway for you guys to move on from that and become stronger as a unit yeah definitely helped us and made us stronger that's for sure yeah so what are they doing now to treat the polycystic ovaries well he's like do you want us to treat that and like obviously getting a period every two weeks is not fun or did you want to like try and get pregnant and go for the embryo transfer so we decided to go for the embryo transfer and I was really worried that you know my body wasn't going to respond like the same as before um but it did a good job like I really thought it did well but yeah just sadly like we transferred a really lovely looking embryo that was expanding and it looked beautiful and it just it just didn't decide to implant and take so we found that out on the 5th of December like got the negative results um so that was shitty because I don't know I just you I just forgot how like mentally challenging it was like during that two-week wait to keep yourself in this um middle ground of not getting too excited and then not getting too like it is almost impossible isn't it and you're so overly analyzing everything that you're feeling and yes and just like I just thought oh this time I've got 
like a toddler almost like I, I'll be more busy and I won't be able to like stress myself out as much that, that was false that yes. was definitely false and then it was also this awful feeling when it didn't work out that I'd like let her down not yeah. that she's running around demanding siblings yeah. but um, I just felt yeah like I'd let my baby down which was really like a different new added feeling that I kind of had to to work through but yeah we've still got seven embryos left so that's a good amount yeah those were the nine that we got in 2020 and then the first one we transferred is our daughter Kira and then we did the one in do you know the sex just a random question of the embryos before they're implanted oh no no they don't they don't tell you anything like that no and you're only allowed to have um one implanted yeah so you can't just bung like four in there or something I think I think when mum did it she always got like three or four bunged in there at the same time and I was like oh my god that's illegal really yeah so it was different times yeah definitely yep I guess that's how IVF got um like the reputation for creating multiples yeah friends of ours actually did a transfer just before we did in 2020 and they only put one embryo in but one embryo can obviously as we know split, yeah, split come yeah. identical so they have identical twin girls oh wow and I always was like that's my dream miracle IVF <laughs> twins and then I was like oh no I'm just happy with just one one healthy happy baby I was like that yeah. was quite enough for me and my little brain to wrap itself around yeah <laughs> so do they think the how do you pronounce it adenomyosis adenomyosis i need to write it down so i can just know how it's a-d-e-n-o-m-y adenomyosis 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 yeah my um one of my family members actually she's had um three children and she's her periods have just gone really odd and um she went for her like an um investigative scan and she's got it She's oh, like, okay. you've got, I heard about it from you. And I was like, yay. But yeah, she's had her babies now. So um, can it affect fertility and implantation? I think it can do. Yeah. If you have it quite badly, um, right. it ex- affects like the uterus when it goes to expand. Like when you've got, I, I don't know if it could, I, it probably could affect implantation as well. I was always worried about that, even though like, you know, my old fertility specialist that we started out with was like, it's microscopic like it's no worries mm. and then when we went to the new clinic and I asked the doctors there they were like said the same thing but it's just I just worry about everything so I was always concerned about it but um after having the scan done at the end of last year and like my doctor showed me like everything I felt better I just felt better about it he's just like it looks really good like he was like I'm really happy with your reproductive organs I was like <laughs> hey that's been so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah it was a bit I felt a bit doomy and gloomy before I went to see um our fertility specialist because yeah the GP was like oh well you've got one baby so you know never mind about trying for another one oh, I, I, hate that. And I was just like well I don't feel like that like that feels like quite devastating news actually yeah I'll try not to cry oh goodness <laughs> That's what I really hate about secondary infertility as well because there's an expectation, again, that you should be happy with the one you've got. Yes, yeah. And, of course, we are. Of course, we love our children so, so, so much. But there's also a very, very strong desire to carry another child and give birth and go through that newborn stage again and really appreciate it this time yeah that's what I think too and like I'm always like and hopefully be less anxious but then I'm like who are we kidding I'd probably be just the same but yeah I don't think my anxiety levels are going to be sky high with the next pregnancy but I'm going to try my best to just kind of stay focused and grounded and just take it one day at a time but yeah, yeah I think when you have a desire to have a child whether you've got you know one two or three already that pull is there and you want yeah. to be able to give your child a sibling and there's gonna be you know a little hole left in your heart until it's filled by that little soul yeah I agree with you and as like you know obviously I'm an IVF child and an only child and you know I've enjoyed my journey as an only child but um I never thought I would 
I never thought I would need to do IVF in the first mm. place. I never imagined having just one child myself because there's, yeah, really, there's a lot of pros to being an only child. There's a lot of like downwards, like a lot of people just think that we're assholes when we're only children. It's just not true. I was just like, but, uh, there's like a backhanded compliment that I always get like by people they're like oh how many brothers and sisters do you have and then I'm always like oh I, I don't have any I'm an only child and they're like oh my god what you I would never like you don't come across as an only child I thought you had oh, a brother wow. definitely an older brother or like a younger sister or and I'm like oh thank you <laughs> wow yeah how do you respond to that <laughs> yeah there's yeah there's definitely that feeling like that I'm yeah I agree like that you're not done and that you would love to experience it all again and mm. with all the things that you know now like yes yeah I there's a very strong desire um and just doing everything that you can like and that feels comfortable for you to um to get to like your goal so yeah I'm right there with you yeah <laughs> so what is the plan moving forward um James and I were talking about doing more IVF this year um we were thinking winter time because I have a lucky rainbow jumper and wearing that at the end of last year in summer was just really like you know it was good inside when there was air conditioning when we were having the embryo transfer but then outside yeah. I was like and now I'm like was it because I took the lucky jumper off too soon <laughs> but our birthdays are in um winter as well but I'm actually in a bit of a weird spot at the moment so um my periods like I was saying were coming every two weeks and then I got this awful big migraine in January, which lasted for three days. And I ended up at the hospital and I had a drip and I had Demetol, which has never happened to me before in my life. So oh, wow. that was really enjoyable. But then my periods seem to have gone like gone back to like a four week cycle. And then last week I was just like, oh, okay, it's been over four weeks. I was so excited. And then I thought, oh, it's been a bit more, like it's been four weeks and like four weeks and five days. And so I took a test and a strange little second faint pink line has come up on it so I'm just a bit in um shock and disbelief because I never thought that this could happen to us without you know the help of IVF and I'm so scared like scared out of my mind I can't tell you like I just I just wish I was one of those people that like saw that line and just felt nothing but joy but it's just freaking me out so I wasn't gonna say because I was like oh you know sorry cats out of the bag yeah. now <laughs> but um yeah it's very scary and I just wanted to be open and honest because you've just created such a wonderful platform but yeah I don't know how it's going to end yeah. about it um going to see my GP on Friday um but yeah I'm trying to stay like you said like in that day by day moment so I took another test this morning the second line is still there it's a faint mm. second line but I'll just I don't know, be grateful for the second line. Great, yes. My brain takes me down, you know, many negative thoughts, you know, um, but I'm just trying to be like, it's all going to work out how it's meant to. Yeah. I don't know, trying to let go of like the outcome, which is very difficult. It is, yeah. But yes, this does not happen to me all the time. So I don't know what's happening. And yeah, wild times. It's yeah. been a few days. Well, I'm very excited for you and I'm going to hold out all the hope that this works out. Thank you. Me too. So you haven't had any bloods or anything done yet? No, no bloods. Just the those pink first response tests. Yeah. Um, are the ones my friend recommended me to. So they're, they're the ones I always use now. But um, yeah, I'm so frightened and I can't believe I've told you. When it's in my <laughs> brain, I was like, don't tell us, don't tell anyone. No, I'm, I'm so happy for you. Sharon, you've got to be brave. But, yeah, it's a, scary, it's a scary time. I wish it was just joyful because I feel like I've, you know, during this journey sometimes you can look over to the fence on the other side and you're like, oh, my friends, they've never had, you know, they've never experienced a miscarriage. They get pregnant. They stay pregnant. They mm. have happy, healthy children. Um, nothing seems to ever – and, like, you don't begrudge them that, but you're just like, oh, sometimes you're just like, oh, I wish – I wish I had a slice of that. Yeah. And they have difficulties sometimes with other things. Like, so, you know. I know. That's the kind of thing you need perfect. to keep in. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what you need to kind of keep in perspective, that everyone has their struggles in life. And unfortunately for us, it's infertility. Yeah. And I feel like um, I was saying to my friend 
um, Louise once I feel like sometimes we're given these journeys because we're strong enough to go through them so mm, that's, um, yeah beautiful reminder yeah not not always a good time but yeah I feel like I spent a lot of time on my journey being like why is this happening to me me yeah. I was a good person I tried to be good I recycled I did all the right <laughs> things <laughs> and then you just yeah you get caught up in why 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 and then it's mm. kind of like oh well that's not really helping me grow and move forward and and you know grow through this journey and so yeah you just have to be like it's mine and I'm going to be proud of it and I'm going to get through it and I'm going to make it to the other side yeah it sounds like you have really grown and learned a lot from everything that you've been through so far and I guess it's just a matter of taking it one day at a time and I guess focusing on today I'm pregnant and today I'm going to be grateful for that even though you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Yeah, that's it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done sometimes. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to take my own advice when yeah, it happens to me. Thinking, but... <laughs> actually. When I was, when you sent the question through earlier and I was looking at them, I was like, damn, I need to take my own advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm freaking out about my pregnancy, you're going to have to remind me of this. I definitely will. Yeah. No, it's exciting. It really is. And I know, yeah, it's scary to think too far ahead. But, yeah, right now you have a little baby in your belly. and I'm just still shocked. I'm just was not expecting that. I'm very shocked, of course. But, yeah, just like the shock is just still like haven't gotten past the shock. So what is one piece of advice that you would give other women still struggling to have a baby? Ooh, I would say to those amazing humans to please be kind to yourself um yeah that's a that's a tricky one sometimes we beat mm. ourselves up a lot there's always something we could be doing or trying um differently and that gets overwhelming but yeah please be kind to yourself um take care of your mental health it's really really important you can't you know pour into your um trying to conceive journey and like all your, all your jobs and all the other things you're doing if you don't fill your own cup up first mm. so find something that um helps you do that whether that's a person or an activity or a coffee addiction or whatever that is and just yeah i feel like like i said earlier i gave a lot of my power away like i gave it away to the naturopath and i gave it away to like the fertility doctors and they're there to help you but like don't give all of your power to them because you're so powerful like in your mind and in your body and i just think yeah i wish i could go back and be nicer to myself and yeah just um not feel so lost but i guess sometimes you have to go go through and um stumble about a bit and think oh what do I believe in what do I think is going to help me because there's a lot of advice from people like there's we google we all love google like it's there's just it's there's endless things out there that um but it's just what do I actually think is going to help me because you know you are like the best person that knows your body the best like you mightn't be a doctor or a nurse but you know your body the best so be your own advocate I think and remember remember your power and be kind to yourself I love that so much oh, thank you and I love that you know you had these revelations that you wish you can go back and be kind to yourself but you're being given another opportunity right now moving forward with this new pregnancy to do exactly that yes I hope I can <laughs> fingers crossed take it one by day day by day all you can do i wish you all the best and thank you so much for sharing your journey and being vulnerable with me tonight thank you for having me and thank you for doing this i think you're doing such an amazing job and what you've done is just incredible thank you so much i really appreciate it okay so a little update on letitia so as you would have heard in the episode letitia shared that she just found out she was pregnant like super early she's literally just found out hasn't had any blood tests done yet um and she was brave enough to share that with us which is amazing so i did just want to give you guys a little update on how her pregnancy is going she is currently 23 and a bit weeks as of the release date of this episode uh so everything is going really well 
I know what she's having. I don't know if she has like shared it with the world, so I'm not going to release it on here. Um, but yeah, everything is going really well with Bubs and she's got a lot of support to keep her anxiety in check. And yeah, it's just really crazy to think that we're only a week and a bit apart in our pregnancies, which is absolutely insane. So I would have either like just conceived or I was just about to find out that I was pregnant. So yeah, crazy, crazy to think that back then when I was still so unsure about my own future that we're both we're both here and everything is going really well. So that is amazing news for her. I want to send out a massive congratulations and yeah, can't wait to hear the updates for when her little one is born. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Messy in the Middle. My main goal for creating this podcast is to ensure other women going through the struggles of infertility and baby loss don't feel alone along this very isolating journey. I want to be able to reach as many women as possible. And in order for me to do this, I would really appreciate if you could subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear, please get in contact with me through the Messy in the Middle Instagram page. Sending you so much love and strength on your journey to baby.